This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We're going to talk a little NBA basketball with Chris Sheridan coming up here momentarily. You've known Chris for a long time, haven't you, Gordon? I remember crossing paths with Chris back in the 90s, and he was uh, all over the NBA as he's been for, for years and years now. I don't mean to call him old. Yeah, way, he's, to, he's way a, to insult our guest yeah, he's on hold. A veteran, that's yeah. all. Uh, well, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Uh, he is a senior NBA columnist for basketballnews.com. He's Chris Sheridan with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good, Jake. And if Gordon says anything about my age, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back like with a nuclear war. <laughs> Chris, I know very few people who know more about the NBA than you do. How many years has it been? Twenty nine and counting, my friend. Yes. Yeah. I always tell the story when Chris comes on during the playoffs in one of the years in the nineties. Uh, I remember seeing Chris at an airport and I think you had you know those you know those carts you push bags with uh-huh. you know yeah. I think mm-hmm. Chris had like five bags stacked up and I'm looking at him like wow it's a he said I haven't been home in five weeks or something like that <laughs> maybe it's longer than that but uh, yeah I carried I carried golf clubs I carried basketballs so that I could play ball <laughs> on the road I was a lot younger then but you know <laughs> I played that I played that golf course that you guys have out at the airport that's that Lynx course that's one of the great courses in America. Yeah, and um, I, I love Salt Lake City, man. I, you know, the thing about basketball writers is we have a lot of time between games, and a lot of people don't realize that. But I, I made the most of my time, and I made the trick out the trip out the Wendover every now and then. And I actually ran into Carl Malone out there. He used to go to West Wendover, so he wasn't right over the border. But one of my favorite cities. Um, uh, just a wonderful set of people. It's a lot to do tonight at at, at night and. A very eclectic bunch of uh, of people. Um, people in New York, you tell them Salt Lake City, and they think it's Provo. No, Provo is different. <laughs> Salt Lake City is very actually uh, actually cool, and it, and it draws you know a bunch of different kind of people, eclectic people from all over, and uh, and people are more welcoming um, in Salt Lake City than I think most of the country would believe, and and that's just a product, guys of people not having been to Salt Lake City um, all that much. Chris, what do you think is the optimum schedule for an NBA Finals? Do you like the every other day? We've heard that from a number of people that think every other day is the best. Uh, What do you think? Uh, Does it bother you when the games are spread out a little more than that? Yeah, it absolutely bothers me. We're only getting two this week. Um, You know, in the Olympics, they used to play every day. Now, they've switched that this year. And they're only playing six games over 17 days, but um, basketball players are played are paid to play basketball, 
And back in the day, teams would play three games in three nights, and they would travel in between these games. They weren't all three home games. So what they would do is they, they would play a game in, say, New York at Madison Square Garden, and then they would, get, they would go to LaGuardia and get the first uh, plane out to Chicago. Um, and then they would play in Chicago that night, and then the next morning they would get the next plane to Minneapolis, and they'd play in Minneapolis, and they'd play three games in three nights. And it was no big deal. Uh, here's a stat that your, your listeners may not have heard. Wilk Chamberlain holds the record for most minutes per game in a season, and that number was 48.6. Now, since an NBA game is only 48 minutes long, what was going on there? And the answer to that question is, he played every minute of every game, including overtime. And the only exception was there was about six minutes left in a, in a regular season game, and he picked up two technicals. So other than that six minutes, he played every minute of every game, and they were playing back-to-back-to-back. So the, the older guys who listen uh, and, and pay attention to the NBA, they laugh at what's going on because these players just don't need that rest. They're coddled, and, you know, the NBA spreads things out so that they can have more off-day coverage and, and try to optimize the size of their fans that are going to be watching on any given night. But I think they've pushed it over the edge. They should play every other night, um, keep, the, keep the interest strong so that people aren't wondering, hey, wait a minute, when the hell is the next game? Because um, we've only had two this week, and we should be done by now. And the guys who are playing in the NBA Finals who are supposed to be in Tokyo, they should be on a plane already. What have you thought about uh, this year's finals, Chris? Well, you know, it, when it was 2 nothing, it, it sure looked like um, Giannis wasn't ready to, to make this step. And uh, and certainly uh, DeAndre Ayton has been a beast. And Chris Paul has, has been a little bit hot and cold. I think it's true that his, uh, his right wrist is hurting him, but he still controls the game very well. Uh, but Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are the guys who are going to win or lose this series for uh, for Phoenix. And as far as Milwaukee goes, when they get a game out of their big three like they got in game five, where Giannis was terrific, Drew Holiday was terrific, and Chris Middleton was terrific, they cannot be beat. You throw in a guy like Pat Connaughton, who is very timely with his shooting off the bench. He's the leading three-point shooter in the series. Um, Milwaukee has a better game when everybody is playing well. Trick is, Giannis doesn't always play well on the road. And... Um, and you never know who, who may step up for for Phoenix. Jay Crowder is a very obvious candidate. Miles Bridges is another obvious candidate. But those guys just haven't been having a great series. Now that's not to say that they they don't have they're not capable of doing it. Um, Crowder is playing in the playoffs every year. He's got uh, he spent a lot of time uh, in Miami with uh, with Pat Riley. So I, I, look, I like this game to go down to the final two minutes. Uh, I know the line is five, and that can go either way. But what I look for is competitive ball games. And if this thing is tight in the final five minutes, we're all on the edge of our seats, and then we'll see what happens. And if the Bucks win, congratulations to the Bucks. And if the Suns win, hey, we got a game seven, man. And what's better in sports, uh, Gordon and Jake, than a game seven? So, Chris, I want to give credit to Jake because he's the one that really underscored this about how Drew Holiday, a two-way player who is having an effect at both ends of the floor, and Jake, I, I hope I'm representing this properly, yeah. but uh, you said that you hope this sets a trend that uh, that great players should play 
uh, both ways, you know. And, and I really like that concept, Chris. It seems like some guys say, well, I just get paid to play offense. Well, Drew Holiday is showing us the effect of a two-way player. Yeah, good point, Gordon. I had uh, Ron Artest, also known as Meta World Peace, on, on my podcast uh, on Friday, and I asked him that very question. Why is it so hard to find guys to get it done at both ends of the court? Drew Holiday does. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo does. Uh, but, you know, Patrick Beverly does to a certain degree. Uh, Ron Artest always did. He was Defensive Player of the Year, and he was scoring 24 points a game. And what he said is, over the summer, when you're working on your game, you tend to work on offense. Very few guys go out there and work on their defense. And But it can be done. You, you get a very good one-on-one player in the gym and say to Drew Holiday, guard this guy. For the next hour, I want you to guard this guy. And every time he hits a bucket, you got to run a lap. Um, and so it, that comes from, from motivational coaching, and it comes from within the player. Does the player want to be a one-way player? Does a player want to be a two-way player? And there's probably only a handful of guys, eight, nine, ten guys, that you would say are fantastic two-way players. Kawhi Leonard is, a, is, is another one of them. But you've got to have those guys. Um, if you don't have a guy like Drew Holiday, if you don't have a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, you're not going to be able to lock up the, the offensive player on the opposing team that you are going to need to lock up in a best-of-seven series. And remember, in the NBA it's not so much who can lock up guys during the regular season. It comes down to a matchup. Who's playing who? Which guy has to be locked up? And do we have a guy who can lock him up? And what you're seeing with the Bucks in this series is Drew Holiday's done a pretty nice job defensively on Chris Paul. He's been a little bit hot and cold on offense. But they've had to put P.J. Tucker on, on Devin Booker. And P.J.'s a little too big and a little too slow for Devin, so – He's, he's creeping free, and he's getting a lot of open shots, and that's why you're seeing him ton, score a ton of points. So I, I think you're going to continue to see Devin Booker do that. Chris Paul, because of his risk, you could get good, you could get bad. The, the guy I think who really, really has to step up tonight for Phoenix is a guy the Bucks cannot stop, and that's DeAndre Ayton. And this is a smart guy. Um, if he can stay out of foul trouble and dominate the glass and get a lot of putbacks, um, second chance points are, are one of the things that coaches harp on all the time. Instead of a lost possession, it's now a possession where you gain two points. So a lost possession can turn into a three at the other end. Now that's a five point possession. But a good offensive rebounder who puts it back, uh, all of a sudden you've gone from losing five points to tying the game or, or catching up with two points. So these little things make a lot of difference. And, and you know, Aiden's a beast. And one of the things Ron Artest said is this is a wise soul. Uh, he's no dummy. So, um, and he's young. He was the number one pick in the draft. So I think the key player for Phoenix tonight is going to be Aiden. Um, probably he'll split that role with, um, with Devin Booker. But then they also got to have a third guy. Now, whether it's going to be Chris Paul, whether it's going to be Jay Crowder, whether it's going to be Mikhail Bridges, it has to be one of them um, because they cannot win this series if they're not getting supreme production from three guys, just like the Bucks did in the last game with Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday. And the key uh, player for Milwaukee, Chris, might be Scott Foster. <laughs> nice. You know the stat. <laughs> Hit us. Here's, here's the stat. In, in games that Chris Paul has played in, or Chris Paul's teams have played in, his team is 1-12 and 12 when Scott Foster referees. 
And the one win was when Chris Paul was in COVID protocol against the Lakers. So actually, when Foster and Paul are on the court at the same time, he's 0-12. But, you know, nothing lasts forever. And, um, look, you got to wait and see what happens. But um, that's certainly something that the Phoenix crowd is making a big deal out of. The NBA is acutely, acutely aware of it. And, uh, and, and look, Scott Foster's not a bad rep, and sometimes the numbers just, just don't work against you. But um, if this thing comes down to a tight call in the final minutes and Scott Foster makes that call against the Suns, you're not going to hear the end of this. <laughs> Chris, I'm interested in getting your opinion on what you thought of the Jazz's season. Obviously, the regular season was really good, and uh, they, they, they made it to that second round, but then they ran into the Clippers – and uh, the Jazz had some injury deals. The Clippers, obviously, Kawhi got injured. But uh, uh, what's your thought on the Jazz? Do you think they need to get more athletic uh, at the defensive end, uh, those wings and perimeter guys? Not, not really necessarily. They, you know, they were the class of the, of the West for pretty much the entire season, and they shoot the three ball as well as anybody. Um, they, they they got into a matchup situation where uh, the Clippers were able to get them to get Rudy to go bear off the court, and that's a coaching thing. Ty Ty Lue, you know, came up with something, and Quinn Schneider didn't make the right adjustment. Um, you know, there, there's ways to counter that by going even bigger, um, and Quinn chose not to do that. But at, you know, at a certain point, if the if the Clippers have all speed guys out there, and uh, and the Jazz can't keep up with them, and they're, and they're penetrating and getting layups. Um, you know, he's, uh, uh, Quinn is in a tough spot. But, uh, you know, you add a piece here and there. Of course, what's going to happen with Conley is, a, is, is really a significant, a significant factor. But between Donovan Mitchell and, and, and Joe Ingles and, and Rudy Gobert, this is not a team that you're going to blow up. And uh, if Conley does go, then um, Jordan Clarkson is certainly a, a very capable replacement at the uh, as the starting point guard. So how do you fill in the pieces around that? Where do you get another shooter? Where do you maybe get another backup big that's better than favors? And and you tinker. Um, but that team was first in the West all year, and with the way they shoot three-point shots, look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And just because you didn't win the championship doesn't put you in exclusive company. 29 teams are not going to win the championship. Okay, that's the that's the big thing about the NBA. You got 30 teams, one succeeds, and 29 fail. And so, the, of the 29 that fail, who panics and who says, "Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, we got this. Uh, we just got to find a better player um, who can, you know, who can provide some of some of what we weren't, uh, some of what we were lacking last year." Here's a player to keep an eye on: Bruce Brown from the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to be a restricted free agent. And when Brooklyn played Milwaukee, Steve Nash all of a sudden shortened his rotation down to five guys. And one of them was Bruce Brown. And Bruce played for the Pistons before playing for Brooklyn. But he can guard guys. He plays at both ends of the, of the court. It's like we were, start, we were talking about at the uh, early part of this interview. Those kind of guys are hard to find, but Bruce Brown is one of them. And the Nets stole him from, from Detroit. And he's young. I believe he's 24. So as long as they're able to keep him as a restricted free agent, I, I, I think the Nets will be all that much better. But if, uh, if a team like Utah has their eye on him and says, hey, man, we got to go get this guy because he locks dudes up and we don't have a lock-up guy, 
then maybe a guy like Bruce Brown is the missing piece. There's there's a lot of good players um, at the end of benches, and you're going to see some of them in the Olympics um, in in the in the weeks ahead, where where guys can come in and, and play defense and lock dudes down, and nobody knows about them because they play overseas and they play in Euroleague and they play in China. But every NBA team is going to be watching this tournament, and they're going to be like, hey, wait a minute, we should we should take a closer look at that guy. Look what he's doing. In these games, the top scorer on the opposing team is not scoring because this guy is in his jock. And then again, is that defense, the type of defense that's allowed in FIBA and in international tournaments, is not the same type of defense that's allowed in the NBA. In the NBA, you could have a guy fake a three-point shot and and land sideways, and he's going to get the three shots. In FIBA, if a guy does that and lands sideways, the refs are going to laugh at him and give a fast-break layup the other way. So, so keep an eye on the difference between FIBA basketball and the Olympics and what we've all gotten used to seeing uh, over the course of the past couple of years in the NBA. <clears throat> There's not going to be a lot of free throws. There's going to be a lot of physicality. Basketball at the Olympics will look more like Greco-Roman wrestling. <laughs> so, um, it, again, it's, it's, it's the same game, but it's a different – it's the same sport, but it's a different game. It's sort of apples and oranges. FIBA basketball and NBA basketball are not the same. And it's a lot rougher, and as a result of that, you're going to see really good defenders um, who are locking dudes up. you just got to keep an eye out for them real closely. He's a senior NBA columnist for Basketball News. He's Chris Sheridan with us here on The Big Show. Chris, thank you so much for a few minutes. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Jake and Scott, no problem. You guys owe me a round of golf in Wendover. Hey, sign me up, Chris. I'm in. <laughs> All right, Thomas. All right, buddy. Enjoy your afternoon, and uh, hello to all the people I've, I've known and come to like uh, out in uh, Salt Lake City. It's really a wonderful, wonderful city. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Chris Sheridan, uh, longtime NBA writer, long, long time, as you uh, alluded to, Gordon. Uh, a lot of groundbreaking work at ESPN, kind of. Uh, anyway. He uh, wrote for the AP for a long time. Yeah, he, he's great. Now he's on basketballnews.com. Uh, make sure you check out his work there. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.